Gotta walk the dogs, school drop-off, meetings from 10 to 3, take kids to soccer practice, then... There goes the extra time for a jog. <sighs> That's okay. Maybe next week. When everyone else relies on you, it's easy to put your needs last. Therapy is a dedicated time to focus on what you need to be happy. So you can show up for yourself the way you do for others. BetterHelp offers convenient online therapy on your schedule. It's the same professional service you'd get from an in-person therapist, but with the option to communicate when and how you want, by chat, phone, or video call. Go to their site and fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Welcome to Beyond Baseball, powered by Blast Motion. We are here with episode three. Can't believe that we are, what, now in the first month of the season is over almost. Uh, man, it's pushing May. It feels like the season just started, uh, but it's been insane. Uh, Caleb, what, what are some of your big stories uh, to take away from the first month of April? Any cool human side stories that you've been seeing? Any performance-based uh, stories from teams? You're like, wow, not expecting that. Yeah, well, we always talk about the player's journey. It's always one of the first questions. Tell us about your journey. And I think one of the mm-hmm. things I want to lead into um, were two 29-year-olds, which is very strange to say, but two 29-year-olds who have taken two different journeys in baseball and kind of just feature what they're doing. I think the interesting thing is they're 29. They're not yet 30. I think we know how age works. And I think the big thing here is we always talk about the life expectancy of a major leaguer. And most of these players are going to either be drafted at 18. I know some are signed before them, but that's not what I'm talking about because they're the outliers. And then some are drafted at 22, 23, 24. And if you put the five to six year, uh, it's really 5.6 years average to that, it really brings you to 29. And a lot of players at 29, depending on where they are in the minor league baseball level system and all that kind of stuff, they're either dismissed, told they're released and have to go pick up somewhere else. So I think featuring these two at this point in their careers is a very interesting story. So I'll uh, introduce them if that's cool. Um, One of them is Jason Vossler. He's now a third baseman playing first base a little bit too with the Cincinnati Reds. But Jason was never a high prospect in any means. He definitely had a few cups of coffee, maybe even a handful of cups of coffee. Um, But he played college baseball at Northeastern. Drafted in the 16th round um, in the 2014 draft. So just give that some perspective. It wasn't until 2021 that he made his debut. 
So it's seven years later. And at that point, you know, you're really an organizational guy, some roster depth. We talk about this all the time. Um, but now he's 29 and he's really finding his own. Do I know if he's going to stick as an everyday player when, you know, Votto comes back or the Reds, you know, choose to go a different direction? I'm not really sure. But to see this early success in the first month of baseball is a beautiful thing. Uh, and I think it's really cool because we've seen him, you know, kind of bounce around um, in terms of positions and all that kind of stuff. But in 2023, nine years after being drafted, he's finding himself some comfort at the plate. And it's really, you know, an, an interesting story for a 29 year old. Um, the other one was, and I'm, honestly, I've never heard of this guy before. Um, a Forbes Sports Money, I think it was Forbes Sports Money article came out. So I'm just kind of giving some detail into the background of me following these players um, is Jesse Schultens. It looks like he made his debut this year. Um, really, in the last couple of weeks, he made his debut after being uh, called up from AAA. And the crazy thing is, is that he wasn't really sure where his career was going. It sounds a lot like the, the people we talked to, hearing about all their journeys and understanding that not only did he play for uh, the minor leagues and went through his minor league contract, but then he had to deal with COVID and then coming out of there. So you have a lot of times and a lot of uh, ups and downs of where you're like, what is going to happen to my career? Am I done playing baseball? We talk about this all the time. With What's my backup plan? What am I going to do next? Who am I? Am I more than a baseball player? And now we hear that this guy has kind of surpassed all of those worries, those questions, and now he is making his debut with the Chicago White Sox. So Jason Vossler, 29, and Jesse Schultz at 29 years old. Yeah, I mean, the, the other guy I'll mention, too, is Hobie Harris with the Washington Nationals. Guy posted a zero ERA in spring training. Um, another reliever, 29 years old, spent eight years just grinding through the minor leagues. And it's kind of the same story that you touch on. Um, has an absolutely disgusting splitter uh, plus pitch there. And he just found his way onto the Nationals, made a team. Of course, Nationals probably aren't going to be good this year. But, I mean, just think about that. You spend eight years, all you know is minor league bus trips. And then all of a sudden you're making a major league debut. And you talk about the age thing. Um, it, it just reminds me, I tweeted out something early in the season, uh, Logan Porter for the Kansas City Royals in his first two games hit three home runs and nine at-bats. And he's 27 years old. Um, and now he's hit four home runs, I think, too. Um, but someone, t I tweeted it out, like, he's a guy you should watch because he's all he's done throughout his minor league career is hit. He has kind of has some questions about where he'll play positionally. But someone commented, I was like, isn't he 30? And I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> he's not 30. He's 27 for sure. He's not like a young prospect. But the mindset is like once these guys are over 25, like he shouldn't be a prospect anymore, it seems. And he's 27 years old. Um, of course, he's blocked in multiple ways uh, in making the Kansas City Royals roster. But everybody kind of like turns their head because they think they see his age and they're just like, nah. He has no chance. Um, so he's a guy who's going to keep grinding probably. It'll probably take a trade for him to finally get that shot in the major leagues. Um, but, I mean, those stories are just incredible, and there's just things you don't expect. Right. I think they bring a lot of other things to the table too. They have that maturity because they've been through so much, but they've kind of been like stuck in this thing that they've always been trying to achieve. So when they're up in the league and they're talking to these other players, you know, I use Jason Vossler as an example. He's going to be talking to a ton of Reds prospects. They have one of the st stacked farm systems, and they're going to have guys who are either coming up from September or they were at spring training that he was talking to. They give that kind of perspective. And the other thing is, is 
when you start to, I guess, turn at 29 to 30, 31, 32, and you're still playing, but you know that these are like your lasting years, you can start to think about, hey, I already got that out of my way. I got my debut. I got my home runs. I got my hot streak. My ERA was zero. Now it's one, like whatever it may be. And you got that out of your way. So you can start thinking about what's next because you do know that the clock has been ticking for a while now. And I think when you start to think about that, we always talk about it's a process. It's not a singular event. That process has already started with these guys. And I think there's definitely some research that says maybe that process started a little too soon for them. Yeah. Stress, mental health, um, angst that is on their backs or in their head is away. And that's why they're clear and they're able to perform. Yeah. I I just thought of another interesting guy too. Of course, I I know the Royals just because it's the team I follow, but Jorge Bonifacio made his major league debut in 2017, got traded around. Uh, he made the major league debut with the Kansas City Royals. He signed a minor league deal this year with the Royals, and the Royals are just so stacked with outfield prospects that he's playing double A at 29. And so it's just like you see these guys that just want that shot or want that opportunity again once they get that taste of the big leagues. And Bonifacio is grinding it out. He's yeah. willing to take a double A assignment at 29 years old in order to hopes that he can get back to the major leagues. Right. I think this even goes back to the World Baseball Classic. Some of these guys want to just keep playing to stay in shape, to yeah. play for their country, um, or when it's time to go back home and play. Um, we'll see that. And I think, like what you're saying, there's some guys who just, Julio Franco, can't get out of their system. And, you know, what they their fabric is baseball. So this is in their fabric, and they're going to continue to do it. That's a beautiful thing um, because the crowd who says that baseball is not a lifelong sport, these people are defying exactly that. Yeah, and I you think about it too, like injuries play a role, and I think that kind of segues into our interview um, with Trevor Hildenberger, a right-handed pitcher with the San Francisco Giants. He came and made his major league debut, absolutely dominated, and now he's had some setbacks um, because of injuries and just trying to stay healthy and be on the field. I um, mean, so he's going to be in AAA, I think, this year. Um, so, like for guys like that, I mean, there's this will to like never quit right i think he talked about that even when he was in college he just never gave up he was trying anything he could to like improve his game and that's the biggest thing that really stuck out to me in that interview but uh, caleb was there anything that uh, you stuck out to you yeah i mean he he was really an interesting person to talk to for the sole purpose of he really understands what he likes away from baseball yeah. and how and he knows exactly when to disconnect um we always talk about how hard it is to disconnect and how hard it is to find that space or that you know that time to just pull back and do what you want to do but he was talking about how much he loves movies and he got into like f1 and all these kind of interesting things to kind of peel back who he is as a person um we've, we've started to realize that when these players become fathers it changes a lot of who they are too and i think that his identity has always been someone who's evolving um but the coolest part to me that stuck out is all of what i just mentioned and this is why i'm saying this because i don't want to give anything away where it started from, where it originated from. And it was really that journey that got him to um, playing Major League Baseball. I mean, he he has played college. He's played high school. He told us all about that story. And over this course of the time, he's really learned who he is and he's evolved as a person. Yeah. And speaking of trying to improve your game and uh, develop and get better, uh just our sponsor, Blast Motion. Uh, Blast Baseball is trusted by more MLB and college teams than any other hitting solution. Uh, the Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter the code LIVE at checkout to save $10. And now we'll get you uh, to that interview with Trevor Hildenberger.
Welcome to another awesome interview for Beyond Baseball, powered by Prospects Live. We have an incredible guest here today, uh, Trevin Hildenberger, pitcher with the San Francisco Giants, uh, drafted in the uh, 2014 MLB draft by the Minnesota Twins and made his major league debut in 2017. Uh, Trevor, we're excited to have you. How are you doing today? Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm fighting off a little sickness. Um, luckily, it's not COVID. I've taken multiple tests. They're all negative. But um, if I cough during the, the recording, please uh, excuse me. Yeah, I got COVID at the New Year, so I definitely feel that. It's uh, yeah. It's been a nice little, always fun to power through the colds. Um, yeah. So the first question we always ask to our guests is uh, we really want for the viewers to get to know who you are. So uh, give us a little bit of background on yourself and kind of how you made your journey to uh, the pros um, in Major League Baseball and make, uh, have the opportunity to make their Major League debut as well. Sure. Um, I grew up in San Jose, California. Um, pretty much a, a baseball nut my entire life. Um, I grew up going to Candlestick, going to the San Jose Giants games. Um, really my favorite player was Barry Bonds really into the Giants Um, uh, I played baseball at Midi Archbishop Midi in high school Uh, I was good enough to get a scholarship to play D1 at at University of California Berkeley so I played at Cal Uh, but when I got there I really hit struggles for the first time in my career I think um I didn't take weightlifting or diet serious. Um, I had a hard time managing my priorities um, in terms of like time management Mm -hmm. and classes and a social life. So I really struggled my first few years of college baseball. I think when you're 18 and you're competing against like 22 year olds, um, that was a big change for me. And, you know, in high school, when you're good, you're good and everybody, yeah knows it and you're the best player on your team or whatever and then you get to college and everybody in college was the best player on their high school team and now they're all competing for the same job so um college was a big wake-up call in terms of baseball for my career um my sophomore year i redshirted because not because i was hurt or anything but because we were just stacked um that that fall in september of my sophomore year, we ended up getting our program cut because mm-hmm. of um, money issues. Basically, the university didn't have enough money to to, uh, to keep all programs going. So they cut baseball and rugby and women's um, field hockey, I think women's lacrosse, uh, gymnastics, a couple other sports. So while other guys were looking for schools to transfer to or, you know, getting kind of recruited in the middle of college, excuse me um i wasn't because i'd only pitched two innings my freshman year and i hadn't pitched obviously sophomore year hadn't started yet so i hadn't pitched um and i wasn't getting recruited anywhere so i was going to stay at cal get my degree and kind of hang up my cleats and i kind of it was painful but i had kind of come to terms with baseball being out of my life um and that year we ended up being really good we went to the college world series um our program got reinstated due to a ton of donors and fundraising were able to raise enough money to save the program. Um, So I got to stay at Cal and keep playing baseball, but I got to watch my teammates and my best friends, everyone you wake up at 6 a.m. with, and you go to conditioning and weight training and you live with and you go to class with and all my best friends celebrate and dogpile and, you know, everything that you work towards in college baseball, which is going to Omaha 
they did that without me and I watched from the couch and that stung. And at the time I swore to myself that I was going to do everything in my power to contribute next time we had success. Um, so that's when I started to take weightlifting and diet and mobility and stuff like that a little bit more seriously. Um, my third year I pitched more, but not a lot. I think I pitched like, you know, up six, down six kind of guy, but kind of mopped up some, some games. And then at the end of my third year, uh, I was waiting to throw a bullpen. The guy ahead of me had the wrong practice jersey on. And my pitching coach said, yo, you're a knucklehead. Like we give you three practice jerseys a year. Like how do you lose them all? And why are you wearing number 37? He's like, when I see 37, I picture a big power corner outfielder. I said, oh, that's interesting. You have certain preconceptions about numbers, jersey numbers. What do you think of when you see 26, which was my number? And he said, oh, there was a side armor from UCLA who was 26, a pitcher, and actually another side armor from Washington. He also was 26. Have you ever thrown that way? And I said, no. He's like, all right, step up right now. Let's try it out. And so that bullpen I threw side arm for the first time. And it didn't feel, it didn't hurt. It didn't feel bad. Just felt like I was messing around flipping double plays at second base. <laughs> and I was around the strike zone and I was probably 82 to 84, maybe 85, which is slow even for college baseball. But um, he said, you know, go off to summer ball, take it seriously. It's not a gimmick. It's not a trick. It's, you know, watch video of, Joe Smith and Darren O'Day and Dan Quisenberry and all these side armors and see if you can find something that's comfortable to you. Cause I always, I didn't know how low to go in terms of like, do I want to be Chad Bradford? Did I want to be Joe Smith? Who's kind of parallel to the ground. So, you know, figure out all those growing pains of a new arm slot. Mm -hmm. And if you can throw strikes this way, like just the natural movement you get from throwing sidearm, you will pitch more. I promise. So I thought, all right, let's, Let's do this. So I went to Bend, Oregon to play in the West Coast League for the Bend Elks. I lifted six days a week. I put on about 15 pounds. Uh, and I, my velo went from like 82, 84 to like 86, 88, which got me a lot of innings. And I was, I was happy with that. I was really happy to compete at the Pac-12 level. And that was my fourth year. I pitched a lot. I didn't pitch particularly well, but I pitched a lot. And then my scholarship was up and my fourth year was done. I didn't get drafted or anything. And I was at peace with that. I'd finished my degree. I just needed a couple classes in the summer and my college was done. I was going to go find a job somewhere else. I didn't have anything lined up, but I was going to, you know, baseball was out of my life for the second time. And then uh, an incoming freshman unexpectedly signed. Scholarship money freed up. I was invited back for a fifth year. Um, kind of with that monkey off my back, I refined my stuff. I found a slider that worked for me. My changeup was a little bit more consistent, and I had three pitches I could throw for strikes. And my velo jumped again to about 88, 91. So I had a good mm -hmm. fifth year, and then the Twins drafted me in 2014, like you mentioned. Um, uh, I had three years in the minor leagues. I pitched really, really well. Um, just very fortunate to have good coaches and good defenses behind me. Cause I got a lot of ground balls. Um, but really my changeup was my biggest weapon. I threw that a ton. Um, and like you said, got to the big leagues at, uh, June 23rd, 2017. Yeah. That's incredible. I have so many questions related to your journey. Um, yeah. Sorry. That was a long story. No, but 
No, not at all. That was awesome. Um, I guess the first thing that kind of came to my mind, because um, we talk about a lot of guys we interview too in this podcast, they're retired and they're trying to figure out that transition away from baseball and haven't even like thought about it. The fact that you had to think about it in college um, before you even like had that opportunity to like chase, like to even get close to your dream of making it to the big leagues, um, kind of take us through that moment a little bit and kind of how you powered through the adversity of like, all right, my, my baseball career really done right now. Um, what kept you going and kind of like kept you off the path of like walking away from baseball? Um, well, it was painful, truly. Yeah. Like, I, I felt like my career ended on a failure that I, I didn't pitch well my two innings my freshman year and I didn't pitch at all my sophomore year. And the program was cut and I felt like baseball was being taken away from me. Mm. And I could have gone to a JC and kept playing. I could have gone to West Valley, which is in San Jose or Santa Clara. I could have gone and, and, and really kept playing baseball as long as I could, but I felt like the opportunity I had to graduate from Cal was really more valuable. <coughs> so I, I just made the decision to stay put and to finish my degree at Cal. And all my friends were going to leave. They were going to, they were ever, you know, we'd play Oregon on a weekend and they would be like, all right, I got to go on this recruiting trip before our game on Saturday. The coaches touring me around the campus. And I was jealous, very happy for them, but I was jealous. I wanted to be, you know, courted again. I wanted to be continuing my baseball career somewhere else, excited for the future. And I, I wasn't excited for the future. I was dreading it. I was dreading baseball being out of my life. So I was trying to savor that that year a lot. Um, but ultimately I felt like big picture. I, you know, I wasn't on any path to be in the big leagues. I didn't see baseball as a career at that point. So I just thought, all right, let's, let's make a sensible decision. Let's get a degree from Cal, which I thought would lead to a, a good, I don't know, office job or something. So, um, that's at that point that's the decision i made and then at the end of my fourth year and my scholarship was up i was totally at peace i wasn't afraid of baseball being out of my life i was totally at peace with it happy i felt like i had success at the d1 level uh you know i bought my cap and gown and i walked and i i celebrated graduating um and then when the phone call came in from my coach mike new who was the same coach that um helped me switch sidearm i was at sushi with my girlfriend then girlfriend now wife uh, and her sister and I thought, you guys think I should go back to school for another year, like be a fifth year, be 23 year old in college. And I was lucky, you know, all my years previous at Cal, we had a fifth year guy and he was awesome. He was a good leader. He was a good team guy. And I thought yeah, I could I could step into that role and I could play baseball. Like, why not play baseball for as long as I can till they rip the jersey off my back? So when I got that opportunity, I thought yeah, I could postpone real life one more year and just see how it goes playing baseball for, you know, a fifth year at Cal. And luckily I had a good year. So <clears throat> I think that honestly helped me mm -hmm. in the minor leagues because I wasn't afraid of being released. I wasn't afraid of failure. And I knew that when baseball was over, I was going to be fine. Yeah. And I love that. I was, I want to turn it over just to say something and then I'll turn it over to Caleb for a question, a question, but it's like you were, it's it's almost like you were forced to to leave the game just because the program was being cut. And I think a lot of players go through that as well. It's like it's never usually their choice to leave, but a lot of times they feel like they're forced out. 
yeah, you have to be very, very mm-hmm. lucky and very successful to have the choice of retirement, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually it's um, you're not good enough anymore yeah, or you're hurt and you physically can't do that anymore. And so to be able to have the choice, so like I'm walking away on my terms, that, that's a that's a rare thing and it should be celebrated. Yeah. It should be, um, yeah, it's very rare. It's, it's very interesting, especially coinciding with what Jared's question was. Listening to your story, that there's a lot of looking back, right, and saying, I lack time management skills. I need to do better in the weight room. I need to do better with my diet, right? I don't know if you thought that at the time, but I'm curious <laughs> with these these peaks and valleys that you went through and everything, how you identified, like, like what would you have called yourself at that time? Would you have said I'm a baseball player? I'm a college student. Um, how much of it, and I'm not saying that you have an ego, but everybody does have some form of an ego. How much of it is ego there? Because, you know, being able to say I need to work on these things and then going to work on them is a different story. And then some, someone saying you uh, profile as a side armor because of a number or something like that. And then you saying, I'm going to check my ego and I'm going to go after this thing rather than I, I just crush it in high school. Why do I have to listen to you? So I'm curious just over these peaks and valleys that you just kind of walked us through, you know, how you identified as a person. And then did that shift when you said, I'm going to go get my degree before you went back? Yeah, that's a, a really good question and beautifully framed. I think, no, at the time I didn't, I didn't identify that my problems on the baseball field were stemming from time management issues or priority issues or not taking my diet or sleep or social life was taking over, you know, everything away from the field. I just thought, okay, I need to work on my cutter. My cutter's not good enough and I need to throw my cutter and I don't, I don't throw hard enough to have margin for error over the middle of the plate. I really have to be pinpoint command. I have to find a changeup that's consistent that I could just at least just show me and throw for a strike. And I didn't realize that, you know, drinking and not getting enough sleep, eating Noah bagels and Chipotle every day wasn't fueling my body properly. Um, and the stress from, I identified as a baseball player first rather than a student. And I felt like I got into Cal because of my baseball abilities, not that I belonged there intellectually. And it took me a couple of years to realize that I did belong there intellectually. I felt like I was as smart as the other people who got in on pure grades or merit or any other reason. And I just thought I was like a dumb jock who was good at baseball and I was going to, my dream was, I mean, my vision when I entered college was like three years, first round pick, win the Cy Young at 22, World Series champion at 24, surefire Hall of Famer at 25. And obviously it's not going to happen, but uh, we all have dreams at 18. So it took me until we, you know, we went to Omaha and I had that tough sophomore year to realize that my ego was gone. I felt like a failure. And when I pledged to myself that I was going to do everything I can, I had the support of my family and my girlfriend at the time to say, you can do this. Like you can get better. You're allowed to get better. You can get better at school. You can get better at baseball. You just have to change your priorities and work for it. And I think the fact that I got results through that changed my life because now I understand 
that dedication and commitment can actually turn in results because I felt like I was working hard my freshman year and I had no results. I felt like I was working hard my sophomore year and I got no results. Hmm. And it was really a, a life change and a perspective change that allowed me to, to finally get results. Yeah, just going off of that, I think it's really interesting because everything you've detailed up to this point has really prepared you for whenever that transition out of baseball happens. So you talk about having the jersey ripped off your back. You talk about dealing and coping with failure. Usually, especially for Jared and I going through this process, we always hear from hitters who say, you know, failure is just part of the game. And pitching, it's it's not as much – I mean, failure is part of the game, but it's not as much – hearing them say that because like you were saying you crush it in high school you go there and you kind of had the same success um but you not only had failure like on the field but you had it off because you were dealing with all these things that you had to kind of cope with and deal with and it's i don't want to call this phrase because it's always this negative connotation but it's a lot of growing up to do at a point where you should be crushing it or excelling or at least enjoying life in college yeah i think um yeah, there were some, there was like the cycle of success in high school. And then I had a cycle of failure in college. And then I had a cycle of success in professional baseball. And then I've had a couple of years where I was battling failure and kind of bouncing around from different team to team and injuries and stuff. And I'm hoping for one more cycle of success before I transition out. Well, uh, let me ask you this in the role that you're in now, and I'm, I'm not really saying it as a pitcher, but how yeah. do you help players who are coming up? Because you had, you know, quite the craziness in terms of your career. And a lot of guys struggle in the minors because people are tinkering with how they're throwing, right? How their fundamentals are, their mechanics, whatever that may be, even their pitches. How are you helping players now? Because you talked about that mentor role in college, but you're, you could have that role right now. Yeah. I think, um, I think I was in rehab all of last year and a lot of the guys in rehab, I was 31, I'm 32 now. A lot of those guys are, 99.9% were younger than me and were drafted in the last three years. And if they're hitting challenges for the first time in their career, you know, because they kick butt in high school and they kick butt in college and then they got drafted. And now it's like, oh, everybody's nasty and I have to compete with 150 guys instead of five. Um, I just remind them that there's not there's not one path to the big leagues. There's not one straight path. You have to hit all these nodules to get to where you want to go there are non-drafted free agents who are in the big leagues there are guys from jc there are guys who were the number one pick and cruise through the minor leagues that's how many number one picks have cruised through the minor leagues 15 maybe total and there's thousands of guys in the minor the five thousand guys a year in the minor leagues so you have to realize that failure is gonna happen and it's inevitable especially for hitters, but pitchers too. You have to realize, you know, there are going to be times where you give up runs in one outing, you give up runs in the second outing, you give up runs in the third outing, and you have to figure out whether it's on your end, whether it's part of the game, you made a mistake, and or you made a perfect pitch to the perfect location and the perfect setup, perfect movement, perfect velo, and the guy just got a hit. That's baseball. Or is it something you need to change? It's very frustrating when you feel like you have a great outing. There's two outs, nobody on, two strikes on a guy. You let him off the hook. You walk him. That guy ends up coming around to score after you get taken out. And now your great outing turns into a terrible one 
and you're frustrated, then you get option down. Then you have to, and they say, you know, you need to work on finishing hitters, even though you have a 17 K per nine in AAA, <laughs> and you're like, I'm incredibly frustrated because I'm one pitch away from, from sticking where I want to stick. And that, that's what's tough about baseball is that you have to get over the, the, your ego, you have to get over criticism. You have to get over actual failure and just compete. And I think that having the mindset of competing against the guy in the box, or if you're in the box competing against the guy on the mound uh, and put in the work. And if the results come, the results come. If they don't, then, then they don't. Yeah. I, I love that mindset. And I kind of want to kind of draw on a couple themes from what you said there, but also to uh, Caleb talking about kind of the peaks and valleys that you had to go through. I mean, it's obvious when those moments of failure happen that you just didn't quit and give up. You use those as kind of lessons to learn and help you kind of get to that next level that you needed to get in order to make your major league debut. And one of the questions I always like to ask guys, especially ones who made their major league debut, take us into that moment. Um, what was that like for you? Because I have to imagine all the adversity that you had to go through to get to that level and just be on that major league mound. Like I can't imagine the feelings that overcame you, but just kind of take us into what was that was like. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, the amount of moments in life that, that you realize, wow, this is a big moment or I'm going to remember this forever to have that um, going into the moment. You know what I mean? We're like, you know that you're going to remember this for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things just happen to you or things happen in life and you end up remembering them 10, 20 years down the road. But this was like, you're at the stadium early, you meet the manager, you meet the team, and then you're, you're doing your normal preparations in game. You just watch the scoreboard and you're like, is five, nothing a big enough lead for a rookie? Do they, <laughs> do they trust a rookie with a shutout? Do they trust a rookie with five run lead? We're playing a division rival. It was in Cleveland. I debuted with Minnesota, and they were in a um, – I guess it was pre-All-Star break, so it's tough to say pennant race, but they were at the top two teams in the in the division. And I had just came from Rochester the night before. I got about one hour of sleep. I was not <laughs> rested. Uh, I was just too excited. And what was nice was that my parents came, my girlfriend, my sister, my brother-in-law, we all flew out and my parents were actually in Rochester when I got told. So I got to tell them face to face, which was nice. Um, and then in Cleveland, you know, the bullpens are like double tiered out in right mm, center. Yeah. And so I remember the security guy being like, those stairs are metal. Like, be careful. Don't roll your ankle. I was like, okay, great. I'll just be <laughs> super careful going into the game. Um, and then I got out to the mound and um, the catcher, Jason Castro told me to look up. Everyone tells you not to look up because the stadium's massive and the lights are massive and you get intimidated by how many people there. <clears throat> and Castro was like, look up, soak this in. And immediately I went and looked around the stadium <laughs> um, and kind of took a deep breath and said, this is the same game. Played 60 feet, six inches. I'm facing Roberto Perez, who didn't intimidate me. <laughs> and I said, I can get this guy out. I can get this guy out. And so... Um, I remember the first pitch, I threw it right down the middle and he took it for strike one. And I thought, okay, like big leaguers are the same as AAA hitters. They're just more consistent or they have um, 
one more tool maybe, but they're really the same guys. And if you execute your, they miss mistakes just like everybody else. And that they, if you execute your pitches to your spot, they're outs. You can get them out. They're not like Miguel Cabrera in 2012. Like not every hitter is just, you know, the perfect hitter. So um, I was able to get through that with no runs and I don't really remember anything after that, but I remember every single pitch that I threw that inning. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine there's always that little bit of blackout at sometimes just kind of taking that moment. Yeah. It, did, it was the end of the game. I pitched the ninth. So it finished the game. I got to do the high five line and then I had a couple of interviews. I had no idea what I said. <laughs> and then you make a little speech in the clubhouse. Every time you debut, they give you a ball and they give me a ball for my first strikeout. And I don't remember what I said, but nice. um, yeah, I remember everything about being on the field. I remember. Yeah. Um, I'll turn it over to Caleb for one more question before we dive into to the last one here. Yeah. So I have, it's kind of a two part question, which I'm known for these, but one of the things that has stood out to me over this, you know, interview and, and kind of going through your story is you have what is almost like a perfect reliever pitcher mentality, which is like getting the next batter out and mm-hmm. everything that you kind of encountered, the ups, um, the downs, really just the looking internally and saying like, what can I do better? Where can I improve? What do I have to do is, is a lot like what you just said with your debut story, right? Like you're walking through this path of like, I got here now I'm here now what's next. But I'm kind of curious, what keeps you grounded off the field? Like you talked about, you know, you're now, you're not, you're married, you had sushi. So obviously you like to eat because we talked about you going from Chipotle to sushi. So you've obviously improved your, your palate there, but yes. what off field interests do you have that keep you grounded for when you do have a bed outing or when you don't get a play or you don't get the stretch that you, that you, that you wish you had as a reliever? Um, so I studied film and media in college. Um, so I really, in college, I really liked watching movies with like a critical eye and then writing about them. Um, and those tools have been dulled over the years, but I definitely still enjoy um, watching movies and talking about them with my friends in terms if like the themes and the motifs and the shots and everything that goes, the craft that goes into filmmaking. So that's a nice escape. Um, but recently within the last two years, three years, I've really gotten into um, Formula One. So anytime that I want to get away from baseball, I just pour myself into a different sport or a different driver in Formula One. Um, and then now that I have two kids, um, my son is two months old. My daughter's two and a half years old. Um, yeah, anytime I come home, I just talk to them. If FaceTime for if FaceTime them if I'm not in the same city, but if I'm in the same city, I just spend time with my family. It's so easy to it's so easy to realize how little baseball matters when you have a family like yeah. that and you have a support system. Um, because when you're alone in a hotel in um, Bowling Green. Yeah. Kentucky, you spiral in terms of like you go home, you try to sleep, and you're like, oh, I hung that change up. God damn, if I didn't <laughs> hang that change, I just bury that change up and like I'm I'm golden. And you kind of just dissect every little thing and you and maybe you magnify things that shouldn't be magnified. Um, yeah, well, a few follow-ups there. One is sure. John Axford. So he was a big, you know, movie buff and would always tweet, yeah. I think, I think he would tweet uh, his picks for all the awards. I yeah, think that's yeah. something that, that you might be able to do, especially when you're not sleeping, which was the other follow-up I had is I also, I have a soon-to-be four-year-old and a five-month-old and I probably oh, congratulations. on an hour and 20 minutes sleep. So me and Jared were talking about that before. It's 
Last night was not a fun night. And so it's not going to get better for you, Trevor. Um, uh, but the for, the Formula One thing, was that the Netflix uh, channel that turned you yeah, on to that? Yeah, I'm not ashamed yeah, to say that I got into Formula One. I mean, via, yeah, <laughs> Drive to Survive. And then uh, 2021 was my first year watching the races live, like waking up, setting alarms, watching the races live. And then I fell in, fell in true love with it. And now I'm like, all right, I'm going to at 4 a.m. I got donuts, DoorDash, like scheduled. <laughs> I'll see you guys down there whenever you get up at eight. You gotta have a treat yourself day. You can go right yeah. in the donut. And it's Sunday morning. <laughs> so like I love it because on the West Coast, at least it's very early in the Sunday morning. Like there's nothing else going on. There's no baseball. I'll always watch, I'll always be able to watch almost all the races. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, it's awesome to see you develop those passions outside of the game because it really gives you an outlet to just kind of get away. Um, Because like you said, when you were in those hotels in Bowling Green or whatever city that you were in, you're just thinking about every single pitch over and over again, trying to dissect what you did wrong and what you did right. And you feel like your life and your career rides on every outing Mm, when you're a fifth round or a fifth year senior draft pick to sign for a thousand bucks. You feel very disposable. Minor leagues make you feel very disposable. And you feel like your entire career rides on every outing. So a bad outing, you can't follow it up with another bad outing because then I'm I'm doomed. And just being able to come home to to someone who understands and who loves you, like my wife, is I'm extremely fortunate. Um, but she does a very good job of getting my head out of baseball. And I also like cooking and baking. I should Mm. say that. I love baking. So um making some fresh uh focaccia bed bread sounds like a good outlet from baseball what's your favorite thing to cook it sounds like the bread's favorite thing to bake um that's a really good question probably pasta like a pasta sauce that takes a couple hours that's awesome uh yeah i just kind of want to transition this has been an awesome interview you've touched on a lot of this that kind of leads into the last question as well um we want this to be an awesome episode for fans to really enjoy the human side, but we also want to find a way to help future minor leaguers and they try to figure out their transition and finding themselves outside of the game. So again, like I said, you touched on a little bit of this throughout the entire interview, but what would be that one piece of advice you have for future athletes if they try to find their identity outside of baseball, try to like, while trying to make the path of chasing their dream at the same time? Um, I sort of touched on it earlier, the, the one piece of advice, the one line that I tell guys is that there's no straight path to the big leagues. It's a very windy road and mine is an example of that, but there are guys, (coughs) excuse me, who have windier roads, who go out of baseball, go to indie ball for a year and then come back. Um, And that is going to sound harsh, but it's something that I told myself to, to get over bad outings. Was it like, nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody cares that you gave up two runs against the El Paso Chihuahuas tonight, <laughs> June 23rd. I promise you that nobody's nobody cares. It's only you, and you can put as much importance on that as you want. But I promise you that in five years, you're not going to remember that outing. So just move on to the next one. Trust your stuff. Trust yourself. Know that you're there for a reason. That if you weren't good, no matter what level you're at, if you weren't good enough, you wouldn't be there. Yeah. So you are there for a reason. You are good enough. Go out, play baseball like you've played baseball. Because in order to play baseball professionally, you have to be doing it your whole life. It's not something you take an intro class in college in 101 and then you get an internship and then you start doing it professionally. It's not like yeah. any other job. It's very unique. So if you're playing at a high level, you belong there. 
Yeah, I think that's an awesome thing to end that's on. And we, we interviewed uh, Brewer Hicklin once, and he always talked about, he's like, what made me realize that no one cares is that at the end of the day, no matter how, what you do on the field, the people who still love you still love you as soon as you go home. Absolutely. Well, Trevor, this has been incredible. We can't thank you enough for joining us. This is such an thank amazing you. interview. There's going to be a lot of lessons learned here for athletes, and it's just incredible to hear your human side story and how you've developed your passions outside of the game. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is actually one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. You That's guys awesome. Have, you guys ask thought-provoking and serious, but very good questions in terms of how you approach the game and thank how you, you approach the people who play the game. Um, yeah, this was lovely. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And we can't, uh, we're wishing you nothing but success in 2023. Um, and we'll be definitely watching. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks, Trevor. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Your Majesty, Sir Richard has arrived home from his quest. Sir Richard, you've slayed the dragon, and for your boldness, a choice of fabulous rewards, exotic pelts, rare gems, or riches the likes of which you've never seen. With more than 10 million in prizes, and the best odds of winning $300, should you choose them, ultimate riches await thee. May thy boldness be rewarded with the new ultimate riches scratcher from DC Lottery. Please play responsibly.